Hello again, hopefully Pokemon community, and welcome to episode two of Soundproof. We're so excited to be back here with you guys. Of course, my name is Brendan Lewis. I go by MrBDog46 on the interwebs, and I am joined by my good friend Jake Muller, who of course goes by Major Bowman on the interwebs and we're just so excited to be back with you guys here yeah absolutely you know we had a great time with episode one we had some pretty positive feedback and a lot of positive reception so no, thank you all for that thank you if you listen to episode one thank you for tuning into episode two if you're new to this episode i would recommend going back to watch episode one not watch you can't watch this it's voice go back and listen <laughs> to episode one because we did, did a, little, a little bit of an introduction and you know kind of what we want to do here with the soundproof but we're happy you're here regardless yeah, if you're jumping in uh, at episode two here, you actually have double the new content <laughs> available to you than everybody that's been around since episode one. So count your wow. blessings there. Uh, big shout out to you for that. And like Jake said, if you're with us for the first time, the second time, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you guys really give us the opportunity to make this podcast uh, with your ears. So thanks so much. Also, um, a huge thank you to the Hyper yes. Voice. Our compatriots over uh, at the Hyper Voice gave us a big plug in their last episode. Uh, so big thank you to Alex and Steven. If you don't listen to the Hyper Voice, what are you doing? You really should. Uh, we we started Soundproof not as a direct competition to the Hyper Voice, but uh, as a way to provide an extra means of content for the community. And so we are very happy that they you know, gave us a shout out. We are returning the favor here. Go listen to them. Uh, we're not trying to oppose them in any way. We'd love to you know collaborate with them and you know have both of us you know bringing content as much as we can. And so uh, thank you to Alex and Steven. Go check out the Hyper Voice. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a massive thanks. Right, and and even though you know our ability would beat their move, we're all on the same page <laughs> here. Uh, the more content, the better. Uh, so here for episode two, we'll just kind of run through briefly about what we're going to be looking at for this episode. We've got some cool stuff, uh, some cool topics, hopefully to discuss at some point uh, over the course of the next you know forty five minutes to an hour. So real quick, we are going to jump through uh, Ladder's greatest hits. Uh, first, as kind of the meat of our true competitive Pokemon discussion, uh, we were recently, today actually, uh, given the 2020 regionals info that included the point tables uh, and the locations of all the events, which is, you know, really exciting. Uh, probably the most exciting thing that's going to happen between now and Worlds, <laughs> so of course we are going to make sure we cover that. And later on in the episode, we are going to have a discussion and, you know, relevant to the release of the regionals info on the circuit. What's good about it? What's bad about it? What's changed? What hasn't? And that will feature our guest for this week, who is none other than Justin Burns. Uh, Sporific, of course, on the internet, and he will be joining us in just a little bit. So how do we jump right into the ladder's greatest hits? We have changed a little bit of what we've done with it this week. So Jake, why don't you tell us what we changed? Yeah, so last time we went through the top 25 people on the ladder and we looked for their replays. Uh, and if we couldn't find any replays, you know, some people decide to hide all the replays. Uh, we just kind of skipped them and we said, oh, sorry, we don't have that team. Uh, so instead, we decided to find the top 25 uh, available teams, rather. So, you know, I went through the ladder and I found, okay, this person's number one. I looked for replays. They didn't have any. This person's number two. They had their replays. Three didn't have any. Four did. And so I just went through until I found uh, 25 people with replays. That ended up reaching all the way to number 50 on the ladder. So exactly half of the top 50 had public replays. 
That's pretty cool. The nice even number there. So yeah. in that sense, there is a little bit more content to talk about. So we're going to kind of jump right through this here. And starting this week's ladder greatest hits, we are at number two. There's no number one this week. And that's a team of Groudon, Rayquaza, Tapu Koko, Incineroar, Crobat, and Ferrothorn. And that's a team that I don't want to talk too much about <laughs> because I was knocked out by it in round nine of NAIC. So we will move right along to number four. That was a team of Kyogre, Rayquaza, Tapu Fini, Incineroar, Bronzong, and Togedemaru. Uh, kind of a more defensive version of Ryogo with that double steel type. Right, and Kyogre Quaza is an archetype that does feature very heavily on uh, our ladder countdown here this week. And this one, a little different than the others in the sense that it does have those two steel types. Uh, but moving on to number three, slash number six, as we skip over another one here, is Kyogre Rayquaza, Tapu Koko, Incineroar, Mimikyu, and Celesteela. And Jake, we talked a little bit about this last week, uh, or last time, rather, but Mimikyu, Celesteela featured on two different teams that placed very highly at NAIC, and now together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, down to number 10, which is our fourth team of the week. Uh, one more Kyogre Rayquaza team, this time featuring Tepu Koko, Incineroar, Crobat, and Amoongus. So this one kind of more focused on the you know, Kyogre and Rayquaza being big damage dealers instead of having a defensive backbone. Right, and that Crobat, uh, obviously the first Tailwind option that we've seen here, where the others have kind of opted for Trick Room as their potential option. Uh, and uh, a Tailwind mode, something that's very near and dear to our hearts, that Kyogre Rayquaza <laughs> team that we played a little bit earlier in the season, which right. is a lot of fun with the Choice Band. Uh, at number 11 is the first of uh, a strangely high number of Lunala Rayquaza teams this week that does feature Tapu Lele, Tapu Fini, Incineroar, and Stack Attacka. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of Lunar Ray, as you guys will see moving on, but kind of an interesting comp here because it's kind of the double Tapu that we haven't really seen too much of. Uh, usually if we saw two Tapus on a team, it was something like uh, Coco and Fini for Nature Power, so opting for you know two different uh, Island Guardian options on this team. All right, and doubling down on ways to kind of check Eveltal as well, as this uh, restricted combination does suffer from a lot of the pitfalls that most Lunala combinations, mm -hmm. with the exception of Xerneas, do, which is that they kind of fall to Eveltal if you don't support it correctly. Uh, so we're going to jump down to number 12 here, which is our sixth team of the week that is the only XY on the ladder uh, from the top 50 that also features... Gengar, Tapu Fini, Incineroar, and Landorus Therian, which is a core four there that you can slap next to just about any other two Pokemon. Yeah, interesting that this is pretty much the exact, you know, Zerndon team that people have been running Parish Sign on, uh, except with an Evil Tall instead of the Zerndon. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, an Evil Tall instead of the Groudon. Uh, right, right. Funnily enough, the very next team on the list is that exact team with the Groudon. So it's the Groudon, Zerndon, Gengar, Tapu Fini, Incineroar, Landorus T. So uh, two consecutive teams that. Uh, Almost the same. The Groudon just decided to be a, a flying bird. On one of them. It sure did, and it can do what it wants in that <laughs> scenario. It, it turned itself into a better Pokemon. But anyway, uh, at 16, the next team here is an another Luna Rayquaza team that does feature Tapu Fini, Incineroar, Amoongus, and Stack Attack. And Jake, one of the things that's kind of jumping out to me in... Uh, Dumpster Exodia is a word that means a, a lot to some people, and uh, it was kind of popularized back in 2016 alongside X-Ray teams, where they were kind of using a lot of weird stuff to patch matchups, where you'd right. see, like, Gyarados, Scrafty, Volcarona, yeah, all these like, kind of weird things, and uh, that was kind of the... W it manifested in Lunar Ray early in the season, when it was kind of like a ladder hit within the first couple of weeks of 2019 right. uh, Ultra Series, but all these teams are pretty standard partners. Yeah, so far they have been. You know, I think we'll see a little bit later that some of the Lunar Ray teams branch out a bit, but before we get to them, we have another Kyogre Rayquaza team, this time featuring Taipu Koko, Incineroar, Tornadus, and Ferrothorn. 
And the first appearance of Tornadus here, which is kind of interesting that it is starting to make its way onto Kyogre teams uh, in the sense that it's like more traditional rain partner because of its reliance on Hurricane mm -hmm. uh, for offense. And it's kind of shifting away from that Groudon Xerneas team that was so popular onto Kyogre, which feels like a more natural fit almost. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, after that, we have probably the first of our Dumpster Exodia teams. It's another Lunala mm -hmm. Rayquaza team, uh, this time featuring Incineroar Amoongus, you know, pretty normal. Uh, then we got Mimikyu, which did just show up at NAIC, and then Serena, which we haven't really seen since Moon Series. So uh, this is a, kind of an example of, you know, maybe this team... Actually, this... No, I'm just thinking that Lunala was Kyogre for a second. I was going to say it could be Scarf Kyogre, but definitely not. It's a Lunala. Uh, but, yeah, and that does seem to be Serena's niche in Ultra Series right, right yeah. now. Right, yeah. Probably the only team I've seen it on other than, you know, our Ryoga team. But that was kind of a unique circumstance. All right, and on to 19 here is the only uh, Necrozma Dusk main of the week alongside Kyogre, Salamence, Tapufini, Incineroar, and Togemaru. And the, the one thing that this team says to me is maybe it's not Ultra Necrozma. It definitely looks like it would be a more of a Trick Room variant, possibly like Solgallium instead of uh, Ultra Necrozium. Uh, mm -hmm. Especially because it's Tapufini, you usually see Tapulele with an Ultra Necrozma just for those, uh, like the Burns of Sky boosts. Right, right. And on to the next team here is, uh, I believe, the first XL that mm -hmm. shows up. And without Lucario, which is a nice fresh change of pace, <laughs> uh, that features Metagross, Tapu Koko, Incineroar, and Gastrodon. This is more of a XL that has a little bit of a defensive fallback. You know, XL has a reputation for being crackhead, uh, quote-unquote. Mm -hmm. And this it team sure does. certainly does not exemplify that, you know. Xerneas Lunella, Metagross is more of a sturdy Pokemon. Coco is, you know, faster, but a little bit more reliable as opposed to the Lele that usually falls in that team. And then Gastrodon uh, kind of looks like a defensive option against Kyogre. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to see Gastrodon without having either Kyogre or uh, Rayquaza next to it, because True. it can just be entirely walled by Groudon, which kind of takes away some of its niche. Uh, but on to the next team is our only Mewtwo of the week. Uh, alongside Kyogre, Gengar, Tapu Lele, Incineroar, and Landorus Therian. Yeah, Mewtwo just kind of looks like standard like Mewtwo Lele hyper offense. Uh, you got a Gengar in there, so it's probably not Mega Mewtwo, but most likely carrying something like Life Orb or maybe a Z Crystal. Alright, and Jake, the first thing this team says to me, and of course you probably are looking at it as well, is it is kind of a Veltal bait, <laughs> and <laughs> yep. uh, I feel like you could just lead it and click Snarl, but I'm pretty sure that name is familiar to me in the sense that I think I ran into him on the ladder and he was able to knock out Eveltal in like the first two turns or something like that. And I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I was like, oh, okay, I guess I <laughs> guess that's how he beats it. It's probably Blizzard I see in Mewtwo. That's, and that's probably what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Although, uh, we probably take that. Yeah. <laughs> on to the next team is another X-Ray and probably the most unique one of the week. And those of you that were around... Uh, during 2016, we'll probably remember this combination of Pokemon, but it is Kyogre, Rayquaza. Did I say X-Ray? You did. It's Rayogre. <laughs> <laughs> Kyogre, Rayquaza, Tapu Koko, Incineroar, Shedinja, and Floatzel, which was kind of the original Soak Shedinja comp before uh, the move was given to a real Pokemon. Yeah, you know, back in 2016, there was a team with Floatzel, Shedinja running around. I think it was Triple uh, Zero AJ using it over in the Netherlands, both online and at some in-person tournaments. And so, mm -hmm. kind of cool to see it make a comeback here. Right, and I think it also, I don't know if it was definitely on AJ's team, but it pretty sure there was a variant of it that was running Chilonberry, Chilonberry, <laughs> have you pronounced that? I don't know. The one that reduces the damage yeah. from normal type attacks as yeah. a way to, like, weather certain Kangaskhan strategies. 
moving next on the list, we believe this is our good friend Jackson. So shout-outs to the up-and-coming Chinese player, Mal VGC, uh, using uh, Luna Dawn, which we had an interesting conversation about on Twitter. You know, mm-hmm. Some people had some awful takes, but that's fine. They're allowed mm-hmm. to. They're human. But uh, <laughs> rounding out his team is uh, Metagross, Salamence, Type of Cocoa, and Incineroar. Uh, and this team, you know, the, the, the Twitter feud, if you will, was regarding Lunadon's Evil Tom matchup, and I think this is probably one of the Lunadon teams I've seen that has you know, a pretty serviceable Evil Tom matchup, I would say. Right, I think Tapu Koko makes it a little more palatable in this mm-hmm. sense, or uh, the problem being is that, I don't, I don't know, you want your Z-move on Lunala, right, which means that you are kind of taking it away from Tapu Koko, which is your your best answer to Eveltal there, right? Uh, but but a little bit easier to stomach than uh, the standard uh, Lunadon six that we'll talk about a little bit later. Yep. Next on the list, this is number thirty. Uh, we have Xerneas, Kyogre, Metagross, Incineroar, Tornadus, and Ferrothorn. And Reindeer is a archetype I hold near and dear because it was one of my favorites to use back in twenty sixteen. And uh, this is an interesting comp. Like Tornadus makes sense with it because you know Tailwind is really good with both of those Pokemon. But you know, mm-hmm. the Incineroar, Ferrothorn, Metagross, uh, probably you know, it's a solid team. But I feel like uh, Reindeer probably could do better. And I feel like we probably will see that you know going into Worlds a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I think that's something that's really underexplored, and of course, the archetype didn't even really begin to get explored until late in 2016 as well, mm-hmm. before Justin Karras cut worlds with it, and then it really exploded onto the scene in post-worlds, and I think that it's a restricted combo that definitely has the potential to do that same thing this year, Yep. and it looks like Tornadus is a really good partner Pokemon for it, especially with its showing so far this year. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, next on the list, we have our first Porygon 2 that I've probably seen the entire year, much less in Ultra Why? Series. Uh, but it is Groudon, Rayquaza, Gengar, Tapufini, Incineroar, and our favorite little electronic duck, Porygon 2. Uh, I don't really understand it. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I mean, like, it's cool <laughs> to see it there, uh, but it did such a good job in, in the formats that it was prevalent in at just kind of, like, out-bulking things mm-hmm. and being able to sit there for, like, six turns and click Ice Beam a whole bunch of times, uh, you know, recover here and there, uh, Trick Room if you need it. But obviously when you have things like uh, Xerneas and Groudon, running around all over the place, it doesn't have the same bulk, despite, you, right. know, you know, it gets EV light, of course, but you have to click recover a lot more frequently than you do uh, in some of the past formats. Yeah, definitely. It's a little much harder for Porygon 2 to do its job. Rather, to, to, to do the job that it was doing in the past in this format. Right. So I feel like right. in a format like this, it's pretty reliable at setting up Trick Room once, but then you're probably at a pretty low health, and then you know, you're going to be a little bit less useful for the rest of the game. Right, right. And at 32, I don't know what number team this is, we lost track somewhere, but it is uh, a Ray Ogre team that does feature uh, Incineroar, Talonflame, Ferrothorn, and Pikachu. I, yeah. I don't get it. That's a Pikachu. Sure, it sure, it sure be a Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, I don't really and, know if there's uh, much I mean, to like, say about this one, you know, I think, I don't know, know it's, Talonflame, Pikachu, it, not really in their heyday, I don't know if Pikachu ever had a heyday, but Talonflame certainly way past its prime. Oh, Pikachu had a heyday. Uh, it got fifth at a regional that somewhat recently, didn't it? 2017, <laughs> yeah. Shout its heyday was literally me. one day. <laughs> <laughs> one day. One weekend. <laughs> one weekend. Uh, and on to the next team is a team that should be well known to anybody that's kept in touch with most of the major events going on recently. And it is uh, Chef running it on his main account with that Groudon, Eveltal, Lapani, Tapufini, Naganadel, and Shedinja. Yeah, this has become very well associated with Chef. You know, he and mm-hmm. Melvin, kind of the two premier Shedinja users of the format. Now, this is mm-hmm. the exact team he used at NAIC, and I believe, I don't know if it's the exact team from Bristol, but 
Uh, it's very I similar. I think he, he had a Nihiligo in the Nagana Del slot, okay. so just a, a big uh, Poison-type Ultra Beast swap real yeah. quick. Pretty much real the quick. same thing. Real quick. <laughs> yep. And on to 35, uh, we're going to shout out the name of this uh, <laughs> ladderer here real quick. It is Fortnite Fan 88, which is pretty funny, which is likely an homage to Football Freak 88, who is, of course, none other than Carson Conver. Confer the senior world champion in 2018, Six, 16, 16. <laughs> 2016. The Latam International Champion of 2018. The Latam International Champion of 2018. And of course, is now a retired Pokemon player and a professional Fortnite player, <laughs> as he'll tell you. And uh, this individual on the ladder, anyway, is running uh, the standard uh, Kangaskhan Tornadus team with Xerneas, Groudon, Como O and Incineroar. Yep, looks like the same six that Pato used to top eight uh, in AIC. I think we've beat Kangtorn into the ground enough, so we don't really need to <laughs> hammer into it anymore You know today. how we feel about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, though, our number 40 on the list is Xerneas, Lunala, Kangaskhan, Taipu Koko, Incineroar, and Amoongus. And this kind of strikes me as, you know, kind of, again, it's a Xerneas, Lunala team that is a little more sturdy and less reliant on Lucario. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. And as good as Lucario is on that team, making a Lucario-centric team still is a little scary to right. me. It's like building a building a very tall house of cards, and obviously <laughs> that team that team has its results and does very well. But if you could use materi materials that were a little bit sturdier, wouldn't you do it? I probably would. I would do it. <laughs> and on to the next team here, the latter name Feeny Insin, which I love. I'm surprised they were able to get that. Uh, is a team of Xerneas, Lunala... Kangaskhan, Incineroar, Smeargle, and Kartana, so very similar to the last team. Similar to the last team, but a little bit more on the uh, like Hopper offense side. Uh, mm -hmm. Smeargle and Kartana replacing the Amoongus and Tempu Koko, obviously much frailer Pokemon. Smeargle, uh, its entire MO is to you know make sure that its partners get set up as opposed to contributing anything of substance itself. Uh, and okay. so this team is a little bit more reliant on those two restricted to kind of dish out all the damage. Mm-hmm. And on to 46 on the ladder, the last of our three teams here for the week is Rayogre that features Metagross, Tapu Koko, Incineroar, and Amoongus. So pretty standard looking. Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about it a little bit before and that Rayogre does seem to be one of those archetypes where you take your restricteds and then you choose from a pool of about 10 Pokemon yeah. and throw the last, you know, your choice of four onto the team. Yeah, exactly. Now, down to 47, our second to last team, we have yet again another Lunala Rayquaza, uh, this time accompanied by Tapu Koko, Incineroar, Stack Attacka, and a Hitmontop. Yeah, I hit on top. I, I mean, like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just, like, it's kind of, like, its role is a little redundant there with Incineroar on the team. Mm -hmm. I guess it's just for a way to, like, you know, hit opposing stack attack. Maybe you don't have Earth Power on Rayquaza there. Right. I, I don't know. No, that would make sense. <laughs> I, I certainly agree with that. Uh, I'm like, Fake Out Intimidate is really good on Incineroar, so may, mm -hmm. why not use it again? I mean... <laughs> sure. I mean, that makes sense, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess I, I, can, I can see it, but I feel like maybe you could do something. I don't know. I've never yeah. played the team or seen it function, but right. uh, Hitmontop seems to be a mon of the past. Yeah. Finally, number 50, which is our 25th team, uh, is the standard Gavin Michaels, Groudon Lunala, accompanied by a Salamence, Tepufini, Incineroar, and Stack Attacka. Right, and this is the team that we were kind of fighting people on Twitter. Not right. fighting. <laughs> having we a having, creative discussion. We were having a heated, heated discussion about <laughs> this team, and... Uh, some individuals who will temporarily remain nameless think that this team could beat Eveltal with like a at least neutral matchup, and I, I just don't see it. I don't either, if we're being honest. <laughs> and if you want to talk more about that, please take to Twitter. There's a yes. thread already about it, and of course we'd love to talk with you guys about any of the teams that we have discussed here. Uh, I think there's some pretty interesting stuff, and some of this stuff doesn't always find its way into the spotlight. So if you enjoy this segment, please take to Twitter 
talk about some of these teams. Uh, you know, we'd love to see some cool stuff at Worlds. So, of course, if this is helping you down that road, by all means. And uh, if you'd like to be featured on the ladder's greatest hits, please make sure to make your way into the top 25 <laughs> by Sunday night before our episode release. And make sure you don't hide your replays. <laughs> yes, do that too. So we are going to move on to the next portion of our ep uh, episode here, which is going to be uh, a, a kind of a report and then a brief discussion about uh, the regional schedule that was released today. Um, so I believe that uh, the the dates that they release the regionals kind of varies every year, and we mm -hmm. happen to get it somewhat substantially, like a or a full month plus out from Worlds. So it's kind of nice to see some of these things come together, and of course, uh, discussions about you know when is Sword Shield going to be the transition, um, or transition onto Sword Shield as far as uh, you know the the home console and home game. Um, but there were a decent number of changes this year jake and we've seen some change from year to year but there were a lot of location shifts here this year yeah this is definitely the year we've had the biggest change as far as location goes uh, probably the biggest change we had as far as regionals was when we shifted from you know all of them on the same weekend three times a year uh to you know having them spread out across the year so it's not right. as drastic of a change as that but now we have i think seven or eight regionals that got moved to a new location this year uh, Philadelphia, mm -hmm. the one usually around Philadelphia, moved to Atlantic City, New Jersey. Memphis mm -hmm. moved over to Knoxville on the other side of Tennessee. Roanoke moved to Richmond. SoCal moved to San Diego. Uh, Toronto is still in Toronto, but it moved back to its 2017 location, which I believe is closer to the city. Uh, Hartford God. has moved to Albany. Madison has moved to Milwaukee. And Greensboro has moved back to its 2018 location in Charlotte. Right, so location-wise, a lot of them are you know within 100 miles of each other. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I think, you know, some of the players that you'll talk to will definitely speak to some of these venues that we've been at uh, over the years. And, you know, maybe not just the venue, but the location. And some of the ones that jump out to me are that Philadelphia, we, it should be Philadelphia in quotes on the script. Right. Here, because <laughs> it, it hasn't been Philadelphia regional since I think 2016 was the last time it was actually uh, in um, the actual itself, city proper. Yeah. But we've, we had it at Oaks. Lancaster, uh, it was in Lancaster yeah. one year, so it's been all over the place, and it looks like they just axed Pennsylvania altogether yeah. and just shifted it over to Atlantic City, uh, which is kind of hit or miss in the sense that it's like kind of a cool place to be, but also definitely not as easy for travel as some of the other locations in Pennsylvania. Yeah, no, Atlantic City is like it's a really cool destination location. Like, it's very easy to make a trip out of it if you wanted to like go to the regional, maybe mm -hmm. play, maybe just see people, maybe play and bomb and then go to the casinos or something uh, but it's much di more difficult to get to than philadelphia i was looking right. at the atlantic city airport and the only airline that flies there is spirit uh, oh, and boy. so if you don't want to fly <laughs> spirit or if you don't have access to spirit or anything like that i think that the furthest west that you can get to atlantic city on spirit is is like dallas and so oh, much more difficult for the west coast to get there yeah that's a tough one it's uh it'll be great for you know that's one that i'm gonna drive to right um being located in the northeast so it's kind of good in that sense it's actually a, a shorter drive for me uh than going down to philadelphia or oaks or lancaster god forbid but um <laughs> so kind of an interesting one uh the next one that you mentioned jake memphis to knoxville uh kind of a wash yeah i think that's pretty inconsequential you know memphis I, i'm not i don't have my tennessee political geography down but i think they're pretty comparable in size i know mm -hmm. knoxville is a pretty big tourist location because like pigeon forge is near there and that's where you would fly mm -hmm. to drive there so i'd imagine oh, okay. that knoxville has pretty good you know airline access at least 
Right. And Roanoke to Richmond, of course, just shifting cities within Virginia mm-hmm. is, I think that's, I think that's positive. You know, Richmond is a, a pretty good city and Roanoke, uh, you know, as much as we all, you know, love being in the barn <laughs> for a couple of years. And of course we've moved into, you know, like an actual event center, uh, more recently, but I don't think I'll miss Roanoke. No, I think this is, so uh, some of these moves I think are strict upgrades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is one of them. Roanoke was really difficult to get to. It's not really close to any other big cities. Uh, mm-hmm. If you wanted to fly there, it was really expensive because the airport's pretty small. And Richmond is... Uh, I, I can't speak to Richmond's airport, but I know the city itself is more than double the size of Roanoke. So right. I would imagine that you know travel in and out is much more easy. Right, you would hope. Yeah. Uh, SoCal to San Diego. Uh, I mean, we were there was always going to be a SoCal regional, right? So right. this is just kind of a matter of where it ended up. Yeah, I don't think this one's a huge deal. You know, a little bit inconvenient for people coming from NorCal because it makes their drive a little bit longer. But uh, otherwise, you know, San Diego is really easy to travel to. It's a, I haven't been there in a long time myself, but I've only ever heard good things about it. And so another place where you can make a trip out of it as well. Definitely. And Toronto, back to the 2017 uh, location of it, is probably one of the big ones here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Especially, you know, given that there's a pretty, you know, sizable player base in Canada. Um, it was kind of unfortunate for it to be moved out because in 2017 i think i went I, maybe i didn't go in 2018 but in 2017 uh it was it was like in the city right like you could walk to it from at least one of the airports and then take public transportation to the other one and then they shifted it like i believe like close to an hour outside of the city if mm-hmm. i remember it was correctly. Out in Brampton, which yeah was which is tough to get to in the same kind of sense that you know uh, Daytona, getting to Daytona yeah. from Orlando, where the major airport is, getting to Collinsville from St. Louis. Uh, it was kind of in the same category as those uh, in the sense that it was tough to get to. So back into the city proper is is pretty cool. Yep. The next move is Hartford to Albany. Uh, this one, I think, is one of the downgrades that I was mentioning, Atlantic City mm-hmm. being one of them, you know, specifically from a travel location. I, I'm not speaking to like the venues or the uh, mm-hmm. organizers or the player base or whatever, but I think sp- strictly from like a travel perspective, uh, it's a little bit more difficult to get to Albany because Hartford is at least you know the biggest city in Connecticut. It's close. It's actually closer to New York City than Albany is. So if you were to fly mm-hmm. to New York to get to Hartford, it right. would be a shorter drive to get to Hartford than to Albany. Uh, not a big deal because you know the big three airlines, you know, Delta, United, American, uh, and Southwest, all fly to Albany. So I think it won't be terrible to get to, but probably a little bit more difficult than Hartford. Right, and I think for Hartford there were also people uh, that were flying into Boston. Oh yeah, you're and right. yeah, and shipping out to Albany completely removes that as an yeah. option. I think notably um, like, that means that New England doesn't have a regional. Uh, I'm sure this is meant to be the New England regional, but I think right. technically New York isn't considered New England, so it's kind of a loss for the New England players uh, only right. in name. <laughs> yeah, it definitely. Uh, I think it close to it dub- like double plus my drive time. I think because I I live in the in in the Boston area mm-hmm. and. You know, I'll play my world's smallest violin here, but it does increase <laughs> the drive time. You know, that's obviously one that's going to be at because it's within three yeah. or four hours of driving. But uh, anyway, the next one, Madison to Milwaukee. Uh, I've heard mixed results right. on this one because there are some people that really like the venue in Madison. Uh, but on the other hand, Milwaukee is kind of like an objectively better city and also like an easier place to get to. Yeah, so like my brain says this is good because Milwaukee is a bigger city and probably has more to offer, you know, like Food-wise, I haven't really looked, I haven't looked at where the venue is and as, like compared it to you know things like around it and the Madison venue. Uh, and Milwaukee's mm-hmm. airport is bigger, and so that'll be easier to get to for people outside the region. But 
having been to Madison a couple times, I love the venue. That is easily my favorite regional venue I've ever been to. Is that the one that's on the water? Yes, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I've never been. Yeah, yeah it's pictures, so pretty. So, and like the inside of the venue is really nice. Um, this you can walk to like downtown, like the capital area, and I think both years I went. Uh, there was like a, a festival going on with a lot of like food trucks and like a farmer's market type thing. And so I really loved it. Uh, I understand mm-hmm. why they moved it to Milwaukee and I'm like, I'm not really angry about it because I mean, I'd be flying either way, but uh, I'm a little bit sad to see Madison go. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Not everything has to be like a direct loss or a yeah. direct uh, upgrade. And speaking of direct upgrades, <laughs> I think it's hard to RO Greensboro to Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, no, I th- again, and I think this is like only a good thing. Uh, Charlotte is a pretty big airport. I think it's one of the most heavily trafficked ones in America, and so uh, it's definitely a, a good move. Uh, Charlotte. I went to Charlotte Regionals in 2018. I had mm-hmm. no issues getting in and out. Uh, I thought the venue was fine. I was talking to Joe Brown earlier, who brought mm-hmm. up the unfortunate uh, bathroom situation, but oh yeah, maybe that'll be uh, remedied this time. I don't. I didn't check to see if it was the same venue, though. I mean, you would certainly hope it is. That's right. like one of the direct like. <laughs> I mean, you can have all the the admission or entry fee swag that you want, but like, let let the people go to the bathroom. Right. <laughs> um. Anyway, making a reappearance on the original schedule this year is Fort Wayne, that I believe had what was it like a one year hiatus? Yeah, it was. Uh, we and had nobody it in missed it. <laughs> nobody except the people that live in Indiana missed it. <laughs> no, I mean, like, if you're a Midwest player, you're probably happy to see Fort Wayne back because it's super yeah. easy to drive to. If you live and anywhere else. You are not That's, happy about this right. one. <laughs> you can't get there. <laughs> I, I tortured myself and went to Fort Wayne, I think, three times, either three or four. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why, because it, I, every time I had to like fly somewhere else and drive in with a friend, which isn't a big deal, but it's just a major hassle. Uh, and right, because you can't fly directly into no, it, which is unless you obviously have, like, one, of the, one of the things that we're talking about is a huge pro is being able to fly directly yeah. into the city. Well, I mean, you can, just without paying, like, 800 bucks. <laughs> uh, not optimal. Not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Fort Wayne, I, I think the only, like, saving grace for Fort Wayne is that I'm pretty sure it was just, like, a straight-up addition. None of the Midwest regionals are coming. Oh, okay. Which, yeah. I, 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 have, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but it's not like mm-hmm. anything was axed for Fort Wayne. They just brought it back, which, right. I mean, in more regionals is a good thing, so I, I mean, obviously can't be mad about it, but not, I, I don't think this is anyone's favorite regional. I wager that it's a lot of people's least favorite. <laughs> yeah, I think, that, like we said, the only people that really favor it are probably the people that live in Ohio or Indiana. Yeah. Uh, because that's the one that you can try. Or Michigan. I know there are a couple players in Michigan. So that's that's like kind of the extent of you know the favor for the regional. Yeah. And uh, another one that was added back this year, uh, possibly um, a- as a, a swap out for Denver, which was the TCG-only regional mm-hmm. this year, is Salt Lake City, yep. uh, which I had heard positive things about in the past. I've never actually been. Yeah, same. I never gone myself, but I I don't think I'd ever heard many issues with Salt Lake as a regional. Uh, mm-hmm. It was last we last had it in twenty seventeen, or uh, the twenty seventeen format at least. I I'm not sure which season it was, but uh, mm-hmm. it was gone this year. We had the Denver regional that was TCG only, like you just said, uh, and that is no longer. But we do have Salt Lake City back, so you could reasonably say that it Denver moved back to Salt Lake City, and they it is they did add VGC. Uh, so it's right, not so there in no that more sense, you TCG could, only regionals this year. You could call it a straight upgrade in that sense. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, from city to city, uh, probably a wash. I think they both have their pros, but in the sense that there is now VGC at this regional, um, an upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there were kind of only only four uh, regionals that were kind of like untouched, and I think 
a couple of them shifted weekends, but I'd have to double check. Um, but uh, Dallas and Collinsville and Santa Clara and Portland were the ones that remained, and a lot of these are uh, understandably left in place because they're very popular or big or uh, desirable for some reason to a lot of the players. Yeah, Dallas, my personal favorite just because it's so close to home for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you know, mid-January, uh, it's at the same venue at the airport. Uh, mm-hmm. I personally have no complaints about Dallas because my parents no, I think it's 10 minutes from the I venue. Think I think if you're someone regional. flying in, it's not the best just because you're kind of stuck at the airport. But on the other hand, you don't really have to take an Uber from the airport to the venue because it is right there. <laughs> right. And I think there's still, I mean, like the airport's not an awful place to be stuck. I mean, there's, there's enough to do because it's such a giant airport, um, which is kind of cool. But of course you would like to get out and see Dallas a little right. bit more, but you want to do that, just fly into Love Field. (laughs) (laughs) Collinsville, I'm not surprised to see there again. You know, we've had a St. Louis regional for as long as I can remember, and it moved to Collinsville a few years ago. But, uh, again, it's been a very successful regional location. I know that Mm -hmm. TCG always puts up really, really big numbers there. Uh, The venue, assuming it's the same one, no complaints about. I've I've been there the past two years uh, and back Mm -hmm. in 2016. It's always been in the same spot. And it's one of the better venues it's not like in the most scenic location but the venue itself has pretty much everything you would need isn't collinsville one of the towns that has like the world's largest something or other there are so many of those in illinois my i have family in ketchup bottle or something like that and like i was driving when I, i was driving back to dallas from pennsylvania and we pit stopped in this random town in illinois and they had like the world's largest wind chime and knitting needles and mailbox and all this crazy stuff, and so I think that's just kind of a Midwest thing. <laughs> I was right; it is world's largest ketchup bottle. Okay, oh good. God. I'm glad I remember that. <laughs> that's cool. World's largest ketchup bottle, Collinsville. Um, and the next one uh, is Santa Clara, which I believe was introduced last year. I think it was new as of 2018, and they kept it. Yeah, I mean, there's always been a NorCal regional. I think, I think it's right, jumped it, around a little it, bit. I think it's been in San Jose stayed. before. Yes, uh, yeah. We definitely it was definitely in Santa Clara this past year though, and I mm-hmm. again not one that I've heard bad things about. And kind of similar to Portland, neither of us have been to either of those, uh, mm-hmm. so we don't really have much first hand experience. But both of those spots, uh, the Bay Area where Santa Clara is and Portland are both great places to be. And I, I, I don't, never had a reason to assume that they would be leaving. Right, and Portland, uh, kind of important, one of the more important ones geographically. Uh, in the one that it's really like the only thing that's accessible by non-flying transportation to the Pacific Northwest yeah. mm-hmm. and to Western Canada. Yeah, poor uh, Vancouver and Seattle. Uh, yeah, uh, kind of, kind of inexplicably just gone. They were both around in 2017, and then 2018 came around, and all they had was Portland. And so, yeah, a bit unfortunate for the PNW players, like you said. But Portland's still alive and kicking, unlike my favorite right. location. Oh, that was a good segue. Oh. We're going to have a brief moment of silence for Daytona, <laughs> no. um, which always had its pros and cons, but does appear yeah. to be gone this year. The, the only regional that was, you know, uh, based on our calculations, directly axed as right. opposed to shifted somewhere. And of course, we don't know, you know, whether or not these were direct shifts and that, the you know, the TOs are the same and that the venues are the same. Um, but Florida is the one that appears to be gone. And Jake and I had a really fun time at Daytona this that, past year. That, and it is, yeah. it is, it's really cool because, um, you know, you're out on like, I think it's technically an island, right? You have to, and, and you can, yeah, it's you a just like, island. you're like a half mile from the beach on both sides of the venue. If that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is super cool. Um, but it is tough to get to in the sense that like, it's super expensive to fly into Daytona and you have to figure out some way to get from Orlando to Daytona if you want to fly into Orlando. So, um, 
the logistical problems are not lost on me. Yeah. Uh, but I did have a lot of fun. I'm going to stick up for it because I've been to Daytona Regionals twice. Uh, the first time I flew to Daytona itself, Daytona Beach has an airport. Uh, and Delta flies there, and I got tickets for under 300 bucks from Oklahoma City, which is an accomplishment okay. no matter where you're flying. But mm-hmm. I understand that you know sometimes if you can't happen to find those fares and find a Daytona itself is too expensive, then you do have to get there from Orlando. It's about an hour and a half drive, so it's not terrible, but it's the same kind of issue as Atlantic City, you know, where you have to fly to somewhere and then drive a significant distance. Uh, I just right. had that was easily my favorite regional experience of any region I've ever been to. You know, we flew in a day early, went to Disney for a day, you know, went to the tournament, did some pretty good commentary, if I do say so myself. And then we got to, like, have fun at the beach and just, like, hang out in Florida. And I'm from Florida, Mm -hmm. for those who don't know. And so it was really fun for me to be back home. Uh, And I'm really sad to see it go. Yeah, pour one out for Florida. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that wraps up basically uh, all of the North America VGC regionals. And we can take a brief run through some of the stuff that's been announced for Europe so far. Um, They have, I believe, two regionals that have been announced so far in Sheffield and Cologne. And I know they had Sheffield, but is Cologne new? I don't think so. Uh, I I mean, there's always been like a German regional, and I'm pretty sure it's been. Oh, well, there was Berlin. There was Berlin and AIC last year, right? Oh, that's true, yeah. Or that's NAIC, EUIC. <laughs> Same thing. No, but like, I okay, think Germany Brandon. having a regional is nothing new. I, it, I'm sh- I know it's bounced around between cities, but you know, I, th- I think it's been in Cologne before. I'm not entirely sure, uh, but it's definitely Certainly not possible. a new uh, thing for Germany. Right, and then they did get the four special events, and all of those names look super familiar in the sense that they had all of them within the last year, or at least in the past uh, those being uh, Valencia, I'm going to butcher this because I don't speak European, <laughs> uh, Lille, Lille? Uh, it's L-I-L-L-E, it, it's France. So, it was France, yeah. okay, France special event, uh, Cannes, and Balzano. Yeah, so, I think, I believe all four of these existed last year as well. Yeah, I, know for I, a fact, I definitely know they all existed at some point, yeah. I just don't remember whether or not it was definitely last year. Valencia's is um, cool because it's at uh, DreamHack Valencia. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like, when I was in Europe for a few months, I went to the Leipzig. Uh, it was called the regional. It's essentially it was essentially a special event. But I went to mm-hmm. the Leipzig DreamHack regional, and that was a super cool experience. You know, even yeah, though it was neat. all in German and I understood none of it, <laughs> I still got to like walk around uh, the DreamHack. Yeah, those venue. events are awesome. It I was really to do cool. That at yeah. some point. So yeah, I would definitely neat. recommend uh, hitting up Valencia if you're within striking distance. Yeah, that's super cool. DreamHack, those events are neat. I've never actually been to one, but I see you know the videos and everything. Yeah. Uh, anyway, for APAC, they do have nine special events, which sounds par for the course without knowing exactly how many they had last year. But I that just, sounds a, I want to talk about one about of them right. real quick. There's one in Melbourne, Go. Australia, and it's being uh-huh. held at Rod Laver Arena, which is the main arena for the Australian Open tennis tournament, Whoa. which I... I'm an avid tennis player and follower, so I'm really, really excited about that, and I wish I could go. So if you live in Australia and you can go to that special event, please go and send me pictures because I'm super, super jealous. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound really cool. It's fun, and like I know everybody around here talks about that one time that they had a regional at Gillette Stadium, yeah. so that's pretty neat <laughs> uh, in that sense. Uh, Latin America uh, has 35 special events this year, Jake. Yeah, you heard him right. He did say 35 special events, one less than 36, one more (laughs) than 34. I think, I don't know that that's, it seems crazy. Uh, TPCI is not sleeping on LATAM. No, absolutely not. And I think it kind of makes sense because I think that LATAM has an issue with, uh, locals. I think a lot of LATAM countries have issues, you know, sanctioning locals. And I've, 
I've heard you know stories about TOs you know holding locals hostage in some scenarios. And so, yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, yeah. we don't know the full story there, but I also know that travel between LATAM countries is much more difficult uh, than travel like within the U.S., for example. And so, you know, say you're a player in Chile, it's probably much more difficult for you to travel to Brazil to get to a regional than it is for us to travel from Texas to New York, or something yeah, like that. It makes so sense. It, yeah. it makes sense, I've... assuming that people stay within their respective countries i think that's a fine number you know once you but get it's still people... a wild number to... oh absolutely <laughs> yeah <laughs> just to think about right in contrast um, we then... do have south africa <laughs> which has <laughs> south africa nationals is back everyone and it's a special <laughs> event this time uh, it does have two of them but one of them is tcg only so just one vgc special event down I in think south, africa. south africa nationals is one of my favorite it's memes so good that just has, like stood the test of time uh, but anyway, that is uh, a lengthy summary of all the information that we were given today, uh, which is the 16th. That's the day that we're recording. Yep. We want a brief <laughs> look into what we do here uh, on weeknight evenings. <laughs> uh, weeknights. That was redundant. Um, but yeah, th it's always possible that you know there's still some sort of ongoing discussions. I believe we've had uh, large events added late or you know yeah. moved in the past. Even um, on the website, entirely... on the release yeah. thing under the bottom, it says you know more events maybe at a later time and so right and that could be you know negotiations maybe they're trying to nail down a to to yep. run it mm -hmm. um so any number of you know the logistical stuff that goes on behind the scenes of launching uh the big events uh don't mind me i'll be just be making a sacrifice to the gods that be in order to bring florida back uh, please don't, <laughs> don't look in my closet for a few weeks because please. there'll be a lot of shady stuff going on <laughs> i support it i support anything that brings back daytona yeah just uh, a, so anyway that yeah go ahead no, i was gonna say just like a quick you know recap i there is actually one more regional this year in total two more for vgc uh, we had 12 in the 2019 season you know plus mm -hmm. one tcg only and now we have 14 for both and so i think that's a good thing obviously more tournaments is generally a better thing uh, some of the there are some winners and losers as far as the city shifts go i think the big winners uh, Logistics-wise, uh, Richmond, Milwaukee, Charlotte, some of the losers, definitely Atlantic City, like maybe Albany, maybe Knoxville. We don't really know how those are going to shake out, but uh, mm. I think for the most part, these are good changes in general. There are obviously I some agree. little things that some people might agree with and some might be really excited about, and so uh, it kind of comes down to your personal situation. But overall, I think it's I think it's an improvement. Uh, all the uh, notably, all the CP payouts and prizes and kickers have all stayed the same. Uh, the notable they difference there the BFL? is the yeah, BFL. Yeah. yeah, so the BFL is down to six from eight, mm -hmm. which I think is a move in the right direction. Yeah. Um, especially with like the increase in number of regionals, I think you have to find a way to rein in people just kind of like farming them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or you know, like snowballing and and things of that nature. So I think I think it's positive. I think lowering the BFL and increasing the like the total number of regionals is probably like as close to like a, a positive change removing like closing your eyes and not looking at the cities like that's a positive change for the circuit yeah no, as far as i'm concerned but we're gonna hold off on the circuit discussion for a little bit because we will be taking a very quick break and we'll be back with our friend justin burns for a quick little discussion on the circuit we sure will so stay tuned Hey everyone, 
editor Jake here with a couple quick disclaimers. First, I am very happy to report that we were wrong about Florida Regionals. We have found out since the time of recording that first segment that it is, in fact, back in Daytona Beach this year. Secondly, the segment with Justin that you are about to hear was recorded before any of the info about Regionals for the 2020 season was released. We had a different first half of the podcast recorded, but decided to redo it, considering that this Regionals info is pretty important stuff. Just keep in mind that everything from here on out was said without any of that knowledge. Alright, that's it for me. Back to the show. And welcome back from our eh, probably 10 second hiatus after Jake edits <laughs> the whole thing out. Thanks for sticking with us. We are here now with Justin Burns, who of course goes by Sporific and all Pokemon related online forums. Justin, thanks for joining us. Hey guys, thanks for having me on here. And we're really excited to bring Justin on, and I'm going to keep harping on this until everybody knows it and can recite it back to me, but we really do <laughs> want to try and personalize the content that we bring you with our guests here. And of course, Justin, uh, if you're in touch with the community, you obviously know who he is. He's one of the best players in North America, one of the best players in the world right uh, now. And uh, Jake, if you want to go ahead and just list off his accomplishments there for us. Oh, there's just so many. It would take so long. Oh, wow. I can try. <laughs> uh, he's a two-time regional champion. He won uh, Philadelphia, Oaks, Pennsylvania, whatever you want to call that regional this year in 2019. Uh, and he won Seattle in 2017. He's gotten second in a couple of regionals as well, Santa Clara and Roanoke this year. Uh, a couple more regional top cuts, but most notably, he's gotten top four and finals at the Oceania 2019 International Championships and the North America 2018 International Championships, respectively. So a man of many accomplishments. Right, and the uh, name precedes itself at this point, and as I've said already too many times on this podcast, so I'll try <laughs> and cut that out of my vocabulary for the future. Uh, but the topic of our uh, discussion here this week is going to be about uh, the circuit, the VGC circuit that we all play on, uh, be it past, present, and Justin is one of the most knowledgeable people to speak about the circuit as it stands right now, uh, being somebody that does own a day two invite, has been involved in multiple travel stipends, has won a lot of CP, a lot of money uh, from all of these tournaments. So we're really happy to have him on here. Yeah, especially just the way the circuit is set up has changed a lot over the years. And I think one thing that we wanted to talk about was, you know, kind of a hearkening back to the older circuits. So Justin, you've been around for a little while. I believe you started in 2014, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you knew you know what the the older circuit was like, you know, you played in the years of uh, a top X invites instead of a CP bar. Uh, and so what do you what do you think your experience has been with the change to a CP bar? You know, has the circuit felt any different from you, you know, since 2015 when the last year we had the top X invites as com- compared to, you know, 2016 and beyond? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the kind of the vibe I got back then was a lot different than what, you know, we have now. As, you know, when you're when you're trying to get a world's invite back then, you're not you're not only trying to hit your own personal goal, you're trying to make sure you stay ahead mm-hmm. of, you know, your competition. So going into nationals in twenty fifteen, really there were very few people that were could um comfortably say they had locked worlds. Yeah. So, um Definitely Nationals was high pressure back then. and uh, Yeah, I knew after, that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> after that year, uh, we changed to the CP bar. So really, when going into Nationals, it wasn't, you know, oh, am I going to be able to stay in top 40 or, you know, make, mm-hmm. the, make the jump to get top 40? It's, you know, have I, have I reached the CP bar? Um, and if you hadn't, you, had, you, kn- you knew what placement you had to get at Nationals right. to get your invite. And 
most years I went into nationals with like my invite already. I'd already hit the CP bar, mm-hmm. and um, so so Nats was really like um, you know not not too not too stressful for me. Um, some of the years I could have gotten a day two invite if I did well, and um, other years I didn't matter. But um, the the one the one nationals that I that I went into without it without an invite after the after the CP bar introduction was 2018 and ironically that was my best nationals yeah. performance ever <laughs> or maybe maybe not ir- ironically because I was actually preparing very hard so I could actually you know get get the top 64 I needed for my invite but I ended yeah. up overshooting that by a lot and right. got second <laughs> I think and, that was that's the difference for me too like the only the only nationals I've been to where I like actively needed to do well in order to meet some goal was 2015 uh, and that was the last year of like the top X invites and I you know I knew that I oh, well going internationals I thought that top 64 would lock me and so when I got top 64 I was super happy because it was like the a pretty big weight off my shoulders and then I s- still almost missed you know I was 40th that year out of 40 people and so you know even that was really stressful just because even though you had had you know a, a, my 2015 season wasn't it was nowhere near the top obviously I I barely made it into worlds but I had what I thought was like a minorly successful season. I had farmed a lot of locals that year. Uh, I had some okay regionals. I think nothing better than top 16. Yeah. But you know, even then, like I had to do well in nationals and it was really stressful and it really wasn't the best like experience socially or like I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have. Whereas every year since then, you know, uh, there have been four years, four nationals since then. I've had a world's invite going into two of them with no real, with zero chance of making day two. So then it would like those years were just to have fun and to you know try to meet it like a personal tournament goal and then 17 and 19 i had no invite and no chance of getting one and no like huge desire to get one and so those were pretty much solely again just like have fun maybe meet a fun personal goal and i think the year that i had the least amount of stress on me and the one that i went into the most prepared for out of those four was definitely 2018 and that's when i had my best result and so i think the the lack of stress and the lack of a, like an inherent need to meet a certain uh, threshold is it was way better for me personally just because I knew that I could go in with a, some kind of personal goal that didn't involve you know beating out a certain number of people All right we talked a little bit about uh, top X obviously was around for a little while before we eventually transitioned into a CP bar um, it's kind of interesting in the sense that the top X to make worlds has kind of like morphed itself into the day two race at this right point. mm-hmm and, I mean, uh, Justin, you have a lot of experience with that. This past nationals is kind of a, almost a too much experience. This past nationals, <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah, yeah. This this nationals was very stressful for me as yeah. I needed to get any amount of championship points to lock day two worlds, mm-hmm. and I ended up getting sixty fifth, which is the highest uh, placement without hey. getting CP. No. <laughs> so all of day two, I was very stressed out watching. You know, watching people, you know, that could potentially pass me, um, you know, inch closer and closer to top cut. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that was not that was not a fun day to no. be on the sideline. <laughs> All right. And um, as far as like the transition from uh, top X to a CP bar, um, you know, one of the big arguments that people make as far as one versus the other is like, how prestigious should worlds be? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously when there's a top X it is exactly that prestigious you are you know the 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 top 40 
you know, obviously was the last one in 2015, as opposed to this year when we have, I think, 97 or something like that invites just from North America alone. Um, do you think that the accessibility of worlds is a good thing? Um, so I, I think it is a very um, multifaceted question um, and answer in the, in terms of you know what what should how how should we be approaching um, the idea of day one worlds <laughs> and really if you if you give out too many you know invites it becomes very very long and grueling like like in 2016 if you remember we in fact we had to split yeah. into uh-huh. two flights of yeah. uh, of players right. on day 1 and i i believe both of those flights are bigger than any pool of day ones we've had except i think for 2018 wow so 2016 it was 8 rounds of swiss and um, I actually started O2, so <laughs> I, I was I was playing, you know, maybe the people that were, you know, kind of barely scraped into worlds, um, mm-hmm. and it was it was pretty tough, you know. Some of the some of the rounds were a little easy, um, some of them weren't, and I managed I managed to run the table, and it was uh, it was it was quite the experience. Um, yeah, I bet. And the the other I think the other. Um, big worlds that people don't like in terms of qualification was 2017 where the the cp bar was really high it was uh, i believe 500 mm-hmm. yeah. and um a lot of people didn't like that and i i think you know maybe the idea of a prestigious world of a world that's hard to qualify for um sounds good in theory but i i think you know we still had some problems with uh, the distribution of events mm-hmm. and so you had you know maybe some players that you feel like should have gotten an invite didn't qualify and um, may- maybe maybe some players that aren't you know as, as good as those players did end up qualifying um, so uh, I-, I I don't think you know it's unfair necessarily to like you know have a high CP bar but I, I think we do maybe need compromise like in 2018 or this year of you know cp bar of 400 where you know most players that are that are like you know good enough are are gonna make worlds and you Mm -hmm. know um only only, there's only a few exceptions between this year and last year that i feel like you know maybe these players should have made worlds Mm -hmm. so that was one of the things we wanted to hit on too is you know you mentioned the different values of the cp bars you know this is the fourth year we're going on five now presumably uh, that we've had a bar uh, for the qualification method, and we've had three different values of it. You know, it was 350 the first year in 2016. Uh, we had so many people qualify, I think their kind of knee-jerk reaction to up to 500. Uh, realized that that might have been a little too much, dropped it down to 400, and that's where it stayed for this year. You know, do you have any opinion on, you know, what might be the best option? I know you just touched on it a little bit, but, you know, do you think, you know, 350 is too low, 500 is too high, 400 is just right, or do you think it could be moved? Um... Yeah, I, I think if we had like an ideal circuit, then I, I'd probably prefer something closer to 500. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the harsh reality is that we don't have an ideal circuit, in my opinion. Right. So I, I do think you need to have a lower CP bar to, you know, kind of kind of balance that out and make sure you know we've got almost everyone that that should be qualifying that year is qualifying, and you know if other if other people make worlds, that's fine too. They get you know they get to enjoy the the experience mm-hmm. and. Um, 
you know, day day one is probably going to be kind of longer than it, you know, maybe should be just because of that. But I, I think that's kind of the sacrifice you have to make. Yeah, I so guess it's I guess the balance between, you know, do you want some people that in theory should qualify to miss, or do you mm-hmm. want some people that in theory shouldn't qualify to make it? And obviously that's very subjective. We're not out here trying to say that some people don't deserve the world's advice. But you know, like in theory, you have to draw a line somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if you have to miss some people on either side of that line, which do you want to minimize? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you just need to let let more people into worlds to make sure that you know mm-hmm. people don't miss that shouldn't be missing all right yeah. i think i think i agree with that and and justin I one of the too. things that you mentioned is that um obviously event distribution plays pretty heavily uh into the people that qualify and don't qualify for worlds and uh one of the big pieces of that is locals right um and over the course of i guess the cp era we'll call it uh we went from having local events that were very highly valued where cp or pcs were what 50 to win at some point and and mss was like 80 or 100 or something ridiculous like that um where do you think like you know assuming that you can't actually balance where events are held where do you think the sweet spot for balancing them from a cp perspective is uh I, i think what we have right now is fine maybe i think the best finish limit's a little too high um I think we can get into mm-hmm. that later. Um, but right now, I, I think, you know, I think PCs give out a good amount of CP. I think there was, you know, there was one year where PCs were basically, you know, worthless pretty much. It only gave out, like, 20 for a win. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's back up to 30 now, and I, I think 30 is a good spot to put it, given, you know, how the other championship point values have kind of inflated a bit since 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I think that PCs, they're important to the scene because I think having locals is a really, really good thing. Uh, but I think they're, you have to strike some kind of balance because you know, not every region has locals. You know, I know we both live in areas where locals are few and far between, but you know, Brendan lives somewhere where there's locals pretty often. Mm-hmm. And so like, not that that's a bad thing because you know, certain regions having more events than others isn't anyone's fault. But it, it is a little bit of an issue when it becomes you know, PCs every other weekend somewhere, and, like, maybe one a year in other places. Cough yeah, and that was, that was kind of another <laughs> problem with um, 2015 in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since, it was, it, since it was top 40 for day one, PCs gave you a huge advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you, did, if you didn't have PCs, it was really hard to make worlds because, you know, the people you were competing against had, you know, maybe, maybe one or two or even yeah. like five PC wins on their... Uh, on their resume. No, I'll right. tell you right now that PCs are definitely the reason I made Worlds in 2015 because I was living <laughs> hey, in Alabama. Me too. And I, <laughs> I definitely farmed the PCs in like the Florida panhandle where like the, I, I met the people there and they're really cool and there were some of them that were really good but like no one else would recognize their names uh, because they're, for whatever reason, they haven't been able to travel or they hadn't like made it through the, the regional cut glass ceiling yet or something like that. And so mm-hmm. it's not like, it's not like the competition was bad but there just weren't many people there, and it wasn't super difficult for me to get points from them just because I, for, I had the free time. I, I was in college like my first couple of years, and so I wasn't busy. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. What was I doing? Uh, I had a Saturday and a Sunday to throw away sometimes, and so right. I just I totally farmed them. 
And then you that's just it comes down to how much disposable income you have, which is a fun game to play. That as well. That's that's another issue <laughs> entirely. Very yeah. true. We're not going to talk about how much money is in my bank account right now. <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about where we are as far as like uh, the current circuit. So, mm-hmm. Justin, obviously you're, uh, we'll say, a high roller on the current circuit. You've been in in play for a lot of like uh, the the rewards that are given to you know top four or top eight of people in a certain uh, time bracket and uh, you're in the day two for this year um, let's let's start with do you think that where we are now is is good or at least headed in the right direction I know that's a pretty vague direction um, to, to go I don't here. so that's kind of that's kind of hard to answer mm-hmm. just because um, if you want to get like really relative, we are kind of headed in the in the right direction because um, I think 20, 2017 or twenty eighteen was kind of rock bottom in terms of how <laughs> how badly you could you could rack up you know an advantage on the on the rest of the field and you know the yep. the process we affectionately refer to as the snowball. Um, right. It's gotten it's gotten nerfed since then. Um, so so now you only get siphons based on your performance in a specific quarter mm-hmm. so that that actually you know um, does tend to shake things up pretty frequently right I, I think in terms of best finish limits where we've been headed in the wrong direction since yeah I, that was one of the Absolutely. next things I was gonna bring up <laughs> 20, 20, I think pretty generous had the yeah. had the best balance in mm-hmm. terms of like best finish limit and you know things like that and um, 2018 didn't have a best finish limit. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you remind 20- us what the regional <laughs> best finish limit was in 2017? Was it four. Four? Was four? Okay, yeah. yeah. I like that a lot. I actually didn't remember that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know it, it jumped up to eight in 2018, right? And then it's well, there for the in, in, 2017, in 2018, it didn't have a best finish limit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. And then yep. and then in 2019, they, they brought it down to a best finish limit of eight, which really... <laughs> Isn't it's basically you know, unlimited. Right. It's basically unlimited. <laughs> I think there are like for you most count people, on one it's hand unlimited. The number of people that yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. And you have to be getting stipends to even, or or cash for most of the tournaments right. that you go to to make that feasible for a lot of the players in the format. So so in in effect, there's not really a best finish limit, right? Yeah. Right. Um. One of the discussions that has been had a bunch is whether or not even having travel stipends. Uh, is even like a good thing at all like should the format or should should the snowball as we affectionately refer to it should it exist and i think part of the argument uh, that goes into that is how uh entry fees have been climbing pretty aggressively like i don't want to say exponentially but they have been increasing like regularly since they were in Mm -hmm. like first introduced do you think that you know, well, first of all, are those two things even related that they deserve to be in the same conversation? But if we could get rid of the snowball to subsidize entry fees, do you think that would be a good thing? I think you absolutely do that if you can subsidize the entry fees. I, th- mm-hmm. I think I think the problem is right now that this the stipends and the high entry fees are two completely unrelated things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're. You, there, there are issues you have to solve with, like you know, differently. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, that makes I think a lot of sense. I, they all, they kind of originated at the same time, which I think which some why people they get associate linked a lot, with yeah. them like one causing yeah. the other, and 
you know, not that I know exactly how their budget works, but as you said, I'm pretty sure they're not related directly. Yeah. You know, maybe they might have some very, very slight influence on each other, but I think for the most part, they're completely different issues, like you said. And I, like, if if you could eliminate the snowball for entry fees, I think a lot of people would support that. It's just I don't like. Is that even a possibility? Is the main question, which obviously we can't answer. Yeah, and if you remember. Um, we actually got regional entry fees a year before the snowball. That's right, yeah. So it, that was 2016, it, wasn't it? Yeah, so it, it wasn't like um, they were introduced at the same time, but they did They did come kind of one after the other, but I, I still don't think they were, you know, related. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think, you know, if we... if the, the question is if we can get rid of the snowball, what can, we, what can um, Pokemon use that money towards? How, how can they improve events and i i think mm-hmm. even with the snowball they have been improving kind of the regional experience mm-hmm. um if if anyone noticed this year they started setting up um, this re- retro gaming areas mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. started providing a lot of stuff for um streaming and you know viewing stages and things like that and re- regionals do look a lot nicer now than they yeah. used to and that's very true. um i have i have been you know um enjoyed that this year a lot i agree no like honestly one of the most fun parts about dallas regionals this year for me was just playing those pokemon stadium mini games mm-hmm. <laughs> like i was i didn't care about the actual tournament i was using chancy shedinja and messing <laughs> around uh, but you know in between rounds i our friends and i would all just jump over to the pokemon stadium games and that was way more fun than the tournament itself for me at least <laughs> right and i think yeah. uh, people were saying this for years and years that like part of the reason that um like attendance is dwindling is because they're not making the experience appealing to like casual players yeah. right like mm-hmm. you don't want to be that guy that you know maybe is picking up the game and then you play justin burns and jake muller in rounds one and two and <laughs> then you know you're instantly oh two and you don't have anything else to do once you hit or two you know, <laughs> you, you know the point that i'm making <laughs> <Definitely> okay, <Jake? laughs> um and so so you're basically you know like a what we would call a casual player and once you're knocked out of the tournament, like you can keep playing, but you don't feel good after taking three losses, and then you know there's nothing else that you can go and do. So I yeah. think that it's it's nice that they've made things for you know casual players to do, for parents to do, uh, for you know other people that might just be you know coming to observe. I think that's a good thing. Um, but unfortunately, we haven't really seen the attendance rebound as a result of it yet. And and given that it is kind of a new thing, I think hopefully uh, we start to see a little bit of that in the next season that would be right and hopefully you know, with short and shield coming out soon uh, in theory that should bring us a spike in attendance you know some of the biggest regionals of all time were right after uh, x and y came out back in mm-hmm. gen 6 and so you know new generations new toys new games generally tend to bring more interest as well and so mm-hmm. you know hopefully we'll see that with short and sword and shield hopefully there isn't much of a logistics error with uh, you know you haven't used the switch instead of 3ds we still don't know details on that so it's all speculation at this point but you know, in theory, you can just hope that they'll work out a efficient way to use Sword and Shield in tournaments, and then that'll you know lead to a higher attendance as well. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think yeah, I think in short, I don't think I don't think Pokemon is kind of strapped for cash because of the snowball. I think right, it might right. might be something on the organizers' parts that are mm-hmm. causing the the high entry fees, and you know, hopefully they they can be a little more lenient on that, you know, going forward. Right. And one and thing we came hinting at is a snowball. Right. And I think, you know, this is something that I'm personally interested in because I 
was very very close to being on the snowball. Quote you could unquote. have. You could have been back on in twenty seventeen. I know. <laughs> I had a really good start. Um, I was number one in the country for a little while, which I like to flex because it's completely worthless. Uh, but it's something fun I can say to people uh, that don't actually know what's going on. But I should talk uh, about that too. Yeah, <laughs> it's really fun, right? No, uh, so like I, I came close. I like I went to two regionals, and got top four and top eight to start the year in Anaheim and uh, Fort Wayne. And then I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna snowball. And so I booked tickets to Daytona and Vancouver. Completely bombed both of them. And then at that point, I was like, I could go to London try to salvage this, but that's a lot of money. And the reason I went to Vancouver and Daytona, and not just one of them, was because I wanted to avoid going to London. So at that point, I just kind of cut my losses and you know gave it up. And so. Personally, like, I would love to know what it was like to be on the snowball and to be flying to these tournaments across the country because it's something that I would have loved to do at the time. Uh, and then I had just had to make a tough decision to give it up. But, you know, given that you are this person that has done all these things, you know, what was it like? Did you enjoy it? Was it stressful? Was it worth the time and money? Was it, you know, exhausting? I know, like, Tommy, I know, has talked about being burnt out after being on the snowball for a while. So, you know, what was, what's been your experience with it? Yeah, so in short, the answer to all those questions is yes. <laughs> um, I, I I think, you know, um, the snowball was kind of an incredible experience that, um, you know, not many people get to have, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the big thing was I got to, you know, go to all these international tournaments and, you know, see all these, meet, see all these people um, that I, I don't get to see, you know, that includes, you know, friends I've made before, and then also mm-hmm. includes making new friends. Um, I I definitely, you know, booked myself more time to see the cities I was going to, like, you know, Sao, Sao Paulo, Melbourne, and Berlin. They were all, um, you know, fantastic and, you know, amazing, and some of, some of the most fun weeks I've ever had, you know, in my life. Yeah. So um, that is definitely the biggest positive. Um getting you know getting to compete so much um it's been really fun i know you know some people a lot of people joke about how oh i hate this game but um <laughs> i i do i do enjoy playing and getting to, i got to play a lot this season so yeah um that that was pretty awesome um and, and another thing was my you know uh, my opportunities to be successful and uh, my actually being successful um you know gave me more chances to be involved with the community um, you know, I think if I if I wasn't snowballing, I I might not be on this this podcast. <laughs> I, I I will probably I might not be on you know some of the other podcasts that I've been on before. Um, I also got to help write um, an article for Pokemon.com yeah. leading up to NAIC. Uh, I probably wouldn't be doing that if I wasn't on the snowball. Um, mm-hmm. So it it definitely you know has let me. Um, do, do a lot more for, for the community and, you know, get to, you know, maybe let people get to know who I am and, mm-hmm. you know, what I what I think about, you know, the metagame and um, all these other aspects that we have to deal with as VGC players. That's really cool, yeah. I, that's a good point. I didn't really think about it. I, the interacting with the community more thing, and that's really neat that you brought that up because I feel like that's an underrated part of... I'm not going to say, like, being popular, but, like, being a name that people <laughs> recognize mm-hmm. is that you get to, like, talk to more people or more people, like, even at tournaments, like, oh, my God, are you Major Bowman? Like, it's called it's called having clout, Jake. 
There, sure. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to flex on everyone. But since you did, no. But I, I think honestly, that's like one of the best parts of this, you know, game and circuit and community and everything is that you just get to like hang out and talk to a lot of people that you wouldn't otherwise meet. And so, you know, being on the snowball, you get to not only like go see friends that you have met that live in Europe, but you also get to meet new people. Like you said, you get to do these cool things, like you know, guest star on a podcast uh, or uh, write for Pokemon.com, which is really cool. I would love to do that. That's a super cool experience that I'm like, I'm really happy for you and everyone else that got to do it. Yeah. That's so, cool content. Super cool. Yeah. That's, I, I really wouldn't have thought of that point on my own. So I'm really glad that you brought that up, mm-hmm. but there's obviously a downside to it too, which I think you were getting to before we jumped in and interrupted you. <laughs> yeah. Um, it definitely was really stressful. There were, you know, some points of the season where I just, I had I felt awful, you know, kind of thinking about it, having to deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. Like um, Brazil, when I whiffed points by, you know, losing my last two rounds of the tournament yeah. and nearly falling off the snowball. Um, and then also at NAIC, whiffing points and yeah. nearly falling out of the day two race. Those those were really stressful and um, pretty unhealthy for me to have to deal with. Um, for putting my putting myself through that, mm-hmm. um, you know, there were some points where I really should not have gone to <laughs> the the amount of regionals that I did go <laughs> to, but um, I kept pushing myself because because I was on the snowball and um, I I did have you know fun hanging out with people at those regionals, but I I probably should not have been you know putting putting all that time and money into you know going to as many regionals as possible i did i did tone it back a bit in the second half of the season but i think i went to like the first six or seven regionals in north america this season mm-hmm. which is, you know pretty crazy but that's a lot um, yeah yeah <laughs> all right well we have one final question if you could very quickly not very quickly but yeah, kind of a short answer for this one. If you could just give like three simple suggestions for improving the circuit, you could just snap your fingers and these three things would happen immediately. What do you think they would be? Um, yeah, the, the realistic one would be, you know, lower lower the best finish limits, especially for regionals and locals. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe internets. I I think that one's up for debate. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I would probably nerf the CP payouts for internets at least. Um, that would be my second thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like t- for top 128, top 64, top 32, those those placements, I think you should. I think I don't know. They shouldn't be giving out as much CP. I think if they did that, you wouldn't have to put a best finish limit on the internets, and you'd be able to yeah. properly reward those who are actually you know doing really well at these big tournaments that are hard to get through. Um, third thing. Uh, this this is a little more unrealistic, but <laughs> I I do I do wish that the that the internet's system resembled the um, the old North American circuit more, mm-hmm. where it would be like you know you have your regionals and locals and things like that, and then you know at towards the end of the season, everyone in your own region gets this gets like at the top of the standings yeah. gets stipends <laughs> to this one big tournament, and it would be like that for North America Europe. Latin American Oceania and it would give you know so much more players a chance to you know um, break out at the at the biggest tournament in their own um, region and uh, you know a lot of players have opportunities to earn day two invites if you mm-hmm. did that mm-hmm. 
Um, I think I think that would be really nice, but um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think I think this I think this um, more international like um, top players from all over the world coming to these tournaments. I think that's the goal that Pokemon has in mind for right. our uh, our current system. Yeah, it definitely seems like uh, accessibility to like tournaments seems to be like like best finish limits obviously go against like wanting to have a lot of people at worlds and stuff like that. Um, so it th totally makes sense that what you're saying, I think we touched on it briefly, where you kind of have to find the line between like letting everybody that wants to go to Worlds play at Worlds and also like still making it a prestigious thing. And I feel like those things that you recommended are definitely kind of in line with that train of thought. All right, so that's going to wrap up our discussion for this uh, as far as the circuit goes. And again, we would love to hear your thoughts on it. Justin just gave us a lot to think about. And, uh, you know, it's something that's been discussed on Twitter before, but I think it's something that it's important that we continue to revisit it every now and again because I think that like over the years that there are, have definitely been some things that we've recommended that have been taken uh, into account by TPCI and integrated into the circuit so obviously our voices are being heard so having these discussions continues to be important uh, so that we can continue to make you know our community great for the reasons that Justin and Jake were kind of talking about with uh, you know the friends that we meet and the cool stuff to do and the cool cities and of course playing Pokemon which is the reason that we all do it um, so that's going to wrap it up again. Talk to us on Twitter and big thank you to Justin uh, for coming on to our show for this week yes. to talk about something that he obviously uh, feels very passionately about and has a lot of experience in doing. So Justin, thank you. Yeah. And again, thanks for having me on here. I, uh, you know, I really enjoyed um, doing podcasts, so I'm, I'm really happy y'all invited me. Great. And uh, what we do do at the end of our podcast here i say that like it's been a long-standing thing but we do have <laughs> a couple of kind of like fun uh sort of things that we like to do towards the end that you know are thematic but also a little bit sillier than the serious discussion that we just had so uh, the first thing is of course justin you were asked to prepare a question uh for jake and i as the last kind of piece of the interview here so you yes. have the floor so i do have a question and it's okay it's kind of fitting to kind of the some of what we've been discussing but mm -hmm not Pokemon related at all. Um, it, so on, on the topic of, you know, international travel, what what's one, you know, city, maybe not in the United States, that's at the top of your travel bucket list? Like, oh, where do you want to go to ooh, most? That's a good that's one. a really good question. So I'll, I'll go first. I Please spent do. a semester in Europe, so I did a bunch of traveling there. But the next place that I would have gone had I had more time and money is Iceland. I would mm -hmm. love to go to Iceland. It looks gorgeous. Everyone I know that's been there has said it's beautiful. There's so many like entirely unique sites there that you can't really see anywhere else. And so Iceland is definitely very close to, if not number one, on my bucket list. I'd love to go to Australia too, but that's a way more broad answer than just giving one <laughs> small country. So I'm going to say Iceland. Right. Iceland's a... Yeah, that one's definitely up there for me as well. I was thinking of it as you know somewhere near the top of my list before you mentioned it, but I have done very little European travel so far, so there are a lot of like big cities in Europe that I've been meaning to get to. And I went to Ireland this year, which was super cool and highly recommend. And the only other country in Europe that I've been to is Spain. So there's a lot more that I'd like to see. And very near the top of the list, if not at the, it, it's at the top of the list, is I really want to go to France. Um, and I've uh, just like heard so many things about Paris and you know, some people are kind of like, uh, it's overrated. And I just find that super hard to believe. And I like really want to <laughs> go to Paris. <laughs> and Justin, yeah. what's yours? Would you like to share that with us? Ooh. Oh, sure. Um, 
I don't, I, it really depends on the day that, you know, where I want to go to the most. Um, usually, like, I'll hype myself up on different countries. Um, I think, I think one, this is kind of the most um, interesting answer that I have, but <laughs> I, I've always, I've always wanted to go to, um, I, um, New Zealand. Ooh. Oh, okay. And I want, I want to, the reason I want to go to New Zealand is so I can t- take a cruise to Antarctica. I think, so you, you know, oh. <laughs> I th- yeah. I've, I've been to five continents. I also, I haven't been to Africa. I'd like to go to Africa someday. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe for South Africa nationals. <laughs> South Africa nationals. <laughs> <laughs> but I, if, if I can go there and if I go to Antarctica, I'll have been to every continent in the world. And I think that would be amazing. That's awesome. a huge, super yeah. cool distinction. Yeah. Um, my other, my other answer is obviously you know somewhere in Africa, um, and also you know Japan. Mm, yeah. Japan's a I good. Think, yeah, that's top five think, for me right now yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely Japan. I think you know we're all Pokemon players. Um, Pokemon was made <laughs> in yeah. Japan. There's we some have, draw for sure. <laughs> yeah, we have we have all these international championships, but we we never get to go play in any Japanese tournaments. That's right. true. I think that's true. Just, you know. Their circuit like is very it. different from ours. That's a yeah. whole other can of worms <laughs> yeah. that we'd have to open up. So we're going to avoid that topic entirely. Uh, we've got a couple more things that we want to do here. And for this week, last week with Aaron, we played uh, a game that I dubbed exactly what it was, which is <laughs> Guess the Six Pokemon. But this week, uh, we're going to do uh, some word associations. So obviously the way this works is like a big tropey thing in TV shows and movies is basically I'm going to say a word and I want you guys and jake hasn't seen these words yet i want you guys to just like say the first word that comes to your head okay most of these pokemon they're they're most no no no. you can say whatever you want but mine are mostly relevant (laughs) (laughs) i i you said it was like the six pokemon or something so i I was thinking you would say words and we would associate them with pokemon but no it doesn't have to be if i mean like if you associate a word with the pokemon and you know now that we're all thinking about it your brain's probably going to jump there first (laughs) but really just say whatever you think (laughs) all right all right you guys ready yes all right the first word crowbat tailwind (laughs) that's too long that's one word (laughs) no no no, i'm saying like you you guys took a long time justin what did you come up Uh with dead weight dead weight <laughs> nice that's the one i was looking for all right good crowbat dead weight and tailwind tailwind is up there too and that's the good words okay yeah you, you tailwind and you're dead weight and exactly. there you go <laughs> okay next one snowball ice oh that's stupid money. <laughs> oh, you Definitely said me. Money. <laughs> oh money i thought you said me <laughs> no <laughs> you said that too but Okay. One of the one of the servers I work on at work is called Snowball, so that was my first step, but I didn't want to say like oh. work because well, that's boring. Well, then you're not <laughs> now. Play- so now you said I, ice instead. <laughs> <laughs> I panicked. Okay. All right. The next one. Ready. Major Bowman. Amazing. Uh, amazing. I was oh. Amazing. Oh wow. That's you guys are on the Metagross. same page. Okay. <laughs> that's a good one too. Oh, Metagross, good ones. Yeah. <laughs> Sub Metagross. Okay. Ally switch. No. No. <laughs> no. Stop. <laughs> my Why? my first No, my first the, the my first regional I top cut in twenty fourteen, I lost to Ally Switch Gardevoir. Oh my god, in twenty fourteen? That's like yeah. <laughs> before the meme. Yeah. <laughs> before anybody knew it was a move. Yeah. Alright, the next one. We'll we'll do just a couple more. Yeah. 
Best commentator. Me. <laughs> Mr. B-Dog. Ah, yes. No. <laughs> you can come back. You can come back. You're allowed on the show again. Good. That was, this is good. Okay. I think Jackson right. would agree with you. Uh, my biggest fan. <laughs> All right. Next one. Twitter. Ugh. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, we've been on the same page for most of these. <laughs> Alright, uh, let's do two more. Alright. Tapu Lele. Best Tapu. Terrible. <laughs> okay, you guys are not on the same page for that one. <laughs> that was very divergent. Okay, and last one. GS Cup. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> and then back to the same, on page. the same page for <laughs> that seems to be a prevailing sentiment that's good yeah all right so that was fun I, that was good I, I like that okay we're gonna bring that one back that was good especially that if we say fun, best yeah. commentator and our guest is always gonna say Brendan. <laughs> i don't like that <laughs> i think that's part of the like rule i'm one. gonna institute that, that just as makes a rule. me look like an ass like oh me <laughs> well you could that just was... say brendan then too we can we can I would have like a consensus to, i would like to clarify this. that was irony okay jake Nobody dragged me, okay? <laughs> okay, okay Justin, we have, we have one final question for you. I need you to rank these four events based on how much you enjoyed them. Are you ready? Okay. They are uh, NAIC 2018, Collinsville 2017, Roanoke 2019, and Santa Clara 2019. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's rude. The, no, no, these are random events that I knew you attended. I pulled them from a hat. This is completely random. You did not get second in all four of them. That is not what I just did to you. Oh, uh, now he's not going to come back, and I'm not going to get compliments anymore. <laughs> I ruined it. <laughs> I'm establishing our reputation for bullying our guests early on, just so no one's surprised when we do it down the road. Yeah. Well, I, I did go to... Uh a Korean barbecue for the first time in Santa Clara 2019. Ooh. Oh, okay. I, I stayed in a really big Airbnb with a lot of fun people, so that was probably the most fun event. Okay. Um, hmm. Any opinions on the other three, or are we just going to shrug off my terrible we'll just leave. Question? We'll just leave Santa Clara. Santa Clara is <laughs> number one, and the rest are also second-place finishes. And okay. Yeah. Into the also, <laughs> also I, 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 heard, I heard that team that I used that Santa Clara was pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah I did I hear that. Shout out to whoever. Shout out to whoever. <laughs> we, like, the three of us kind of built it separately, and then we realized, like, oh, we're all using the same stuff. Let's oh, I didn't. I didn't build it separately. I just took it. Okay, me and Justin <laughs> built it, and then Brendan <laughs> leads off of us again. You definitely saw my uh, Kyogre Serena, or or Serena with, like, Rayogre idea in the Monster's yeah. chat, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, yeah. 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 And that's, that's what I started with. So mostly Justin, a little bit me, and then Brendan was also there. Yeah, I, I brought, was there. I brought the same six to Berlin, but the sets were kind of not as great. But <laughs> cool team, though. So that is going to wrap it up for episode two of Soundproof here. Um, again, a big thank you to Justin. I feel like we had some pretty great discussions. It was always nice to have him on. So Justin, thanks so much for coming on with us. Is there anything that you want to say to our listeners or to us before we sign off here? Um... I hate GS Cup. That's all. <laughs> please, don't please don't. Please don't. Your association is over, again. Justin. <laughs> please don't bring this rule set back ever. Justin hates GS Cup. That's it. It'll be back in three years. Don't you worry. No. Oh, 
right before we go, we got our one last thing to do. We love using uh, our platform to support our favorite artists. Mm-hmm. I love music myself. So does Brendan. Hopefully Justin does. We told him to bring something to this table. But uh, for music recommendations, mine of the week is the album Betty by the artist Betty Who, because I have been uh, obsessed with her for a little while. I had her album playing probably like five or six times in a row one day last week and so that is my recommendation all right and mine for this week is actually a little bit of a throwback and i am one of those people that listened to a lot of pop punk in high school and it just kind of like carried with me through the rest of my life uh kind of against my will and one of the eps that i've been listening to a lot recently is a band that most people have probably heard of and um the band is all time low and uh, the ep is called put up or shut up which was basically like a remake of a bunch of songs on their first album and both versions of that are really good so highly recommend and as for me i have recently been asking friends for their music res- recommendations so i've been i've been trying a bunch of different stuff and i i asked uh, carson Kahn for some for some um for some music and he just linked me his whole playlist and <laughs> <laughs> i i i i think my favorite out of you know that playlist was definitely um Petite Biscuit. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know how many that. you know people have heard, but um, that's that's been really good. Cool. Well, thank you so much again, Justin, for having uh, for making the time to be on this podcast with us. Uh, we're really happy to have you, uh, and I hope you enjoyed it. I know you're a podcast veteran now. I believe you've been on the Hyper Voice at least a couple times, and so no, kind of know the once. process. Just once. Okay. Well, we were happy to have you with us for your second time. Our second, oh my god, it's our second episode, your second podcast. Beautiful. Oh, wow. It was perfect. Beautiful. <laughs> well, now you, you, can, you can bring me back again so you can beat out the hyper voice on how many episodes. <laughs> the, the objective measure of podcast quality. <laughs> yeah. Soundproof would like to state again that it is not a direct competitor to the hyper voice. <laughs> <laughs> So again, big thank you to all of our listeners. Find us on Twitter. That's going to do it for us here in episode two. We'll, we'll be back in another two weeks. Uh, we have, you know, kind of one more episode in between uh, our Big Worlds preview episode, which we're already doing a lot of planning for, and we're excited about that. So keep tuning in. We're up on all sorts of different platforms now. Uh, I think we're on Spotify. We'll be on YouTube. Uh, I think iTunes or Apple Music or one of those. Yep. We're all over the place. It's very easy to find us if you listen to podcasts. So please go do that. Uh, we appreciate, you know, everything that you do for us uh, and enabling us to continue to make this podcast. So thank you so much. I'm going to stop talking or rambling on here, and we will <laughs> see you guys next time. Thank you guys again so much for coming to episode two of Soundproof. Jake and I are continually excited to uh, bring this to you every two weeks. We talk about it all week. It's like one of those things that we're really excited to just continually be thinking of ideas for. And again, thank you so much for listening and giving us the opportunity to continue to bring you uh, this content. Yeah, you know, the honeymoon phase has not worn off yet. Both of us are still oh, it sure has super excited to be, you know, planning, writing scripts, recording, talking about the next episode and all that. And so uh, thank you guys for tuning in. You know, if you came back from week one, thanks for the repeat listen. If you're new with us, uh, thanks for tuning in. I hope you stick around. Uh, if you want to interact with us on Twitter, the Twitter is at SoundproofCast. That is where we will be announcing, you know, uh, 
info about episodes. We'll obviously be tweeting when episodes go live. Uh, so we might be like asking you questions that we'll discuss on certain episodes in the future. So definitely stick around uh, and follow us on Twitter to get the most accurate info. And of course, you can find us on many different podcast media, probably any of the podcast places that you use to get yours. So please check that out. We're probably there. And thanks again so much for listening to our podcast. And hopefully we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.